Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders. Hey guys, before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to take a moment to talk about the Ready Yeti membership. We've grown to have thousands of products from some amazing up and coming brands. Anything from skis and snowboards, jackets, hiking boots, even supplements and snack bars. It's an incredible way to save a ton on gear with discounts of up to 50% off. Join the Ready Yeti membership and do your part to help support some of these incredible small businesses that aren't just making incredible gear, but are also putting a lot of effort into social action and doing their part to create an environmentally conscious business. Join today at www.readyyeti.com members and start supporting these amazing startups and saving a ton on gear. This week's podcast is sponsored by Hiker Hunger Outfitters. Hiker Hunger Outfitters is a company founded by hikers who take pride in creating outdoor gear made for movement. With over 80,000 happy customers, their products are designed with you in mind and they truly care about your experience with their company. Whether you're a hiker, camper, walker, explorer, or weekend adventurer, their products are made for all types of people that care about getting fresh air and staying active. Their most popular products are the two models of trekking poles, carbon fiber for those looking for a lightweight option and aluminum for tougher terrain. Check out either of these models if you've been in the market for walking sticks. Just read the reviews to get an idea of the benefit they provide and how they've impacted the customers in a positive way. Hiker Hunger Outfitters is all about community and offering high quality products that are accessible and useful to anyone looking to continue exploring, no matter what age or how active you are. Visit HikerHungerOutfitters.com to see all of their products or call 877-700-7227 to speak with Cindy, their go-to customer service rock star. You could even text Emily, who happens to be one of the co-founders, at 413-627-1004. She's one of the friendliest people you'll talk to and she loves meeting new people. As an added bonus, Hiker Hunger Outfitters is offering a discount for first-time buyers. At checkout, just type in the code NEWGEAR15 and you'll get 15% off your purchase. What is going on, Red Yeti Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. On today's episode, I am sitting down uh, with the co-founder of NCAMP, Dan Cafaro. Dan, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Awesome. So for the listener that may not be familiar with NCAMP, how would you best describe your brand to them? So NCAMP is an outdoor goods brand, and our focus is on compact gear that elevates some, someone's experience. Um, we're less about uh, smallest and lightest, and more about uh, is the, the process of, for example, food preparation uh, a, a high-quality experience while you're in the outdoors. So what exactly does that mean in your eyes in terms of like a high quality experience? Just everything is sort of well thought out in terms of use case in the backcountry? Um, so, so for example, uh, we, we like to talk about real ingredients. While there are times when you want to eat food out of a pouch, um, we're actually more focused on can I actually make a meal with real food? So... Um, uh, it, it's not uncommon to bring raw ingredients and use our gear to chop up, cook, prepare, serve, um, not out of a pouch, not 
not just boiling water, but actually cooking real food. That's so that that to us is part of elevating the experience. Uh, having uh, having the the food portion of the experience being as important as being in this amazing place in the outdoors. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. Where like some people are really packing for for weight and sort of efficiency, where it's for your sort of products are more dedicated to someone who really wants to. Uh, maximize the enjoyment of their time in nature in addition to just, yep. you know, hustling through, say, you know, a, a hundred mile trek or something like that with the lightest of pack possible. Um, exactly. Interesting. So now let's talk about sort of your background, Dan. Um, I know you're sort of, you're involved in many things currently, uh, but I'd sort of love to hear your story and how um, it led you to starting at NCAMP. Sure. So, so first of all, my, my training, my education, and the bulk of my career is as an industrial designer, product development. So I uh, worked in product development consulting. I was a design director for a product development firm uh, on the East Coast, and then eventually uh, switched gears and moved from being a full-time practitioner to teaching, to being a college professor. So I run the industrial design program at the Cleveland Institute of Art. And, um, and part of my, uh, I guess, responsibility is to remain a practitioner. So, uh, so I have been a consultant and eventually that uh, transformed into starting a business. So, so I'm a college professor, I teach product development I do product development and I run this company. So entrepreneurship is very important in, in my teaching, teaching students to be entrepreneurial. Um, so those are the main two things I'm balancing is teaching and, um, and uh, developing new products and bringing them to market. Now, you started NCAMP in 2016. <clears throat> what sort of led you um, to that initial launch? Um, so, so actually, it related directly to teaching. Um, I, I assigned a project where students had to rethink an outdoor goods brand. So I assigned a specific brand. Um, very talented group, but they were having a hard time taking the first steps. So, so I said, screw it. I'm going to do the project, and they can follow so I literally started to do research, looking for opportunities, and something that intrigued me was wood-burning camping stoves. Um, and the problem that I identified was uh, bulk in wood-burning camping stove. Usually uh, the combustion chambers are fixed. Uh, they make for a bulky product. Um, the second problem that I identified, and this is from my own experiences, you often have stoves that are so small that you you have a, a canister of fuel, a little tiny stove, and then this precariously perched pan on top of it. Uh, you have no place to set a spoon. Uh, it, it, you're, you're ba it's a balancing act to prepare something. So I identified those and then went through the process of designing, iterating, prototyping, 
Um, and again, this was all an exercise where students could see that process happening, what it looked like. And, um, and then, like I said, I developed prototypes, uh, first kind of real, real crude uh, sketch models and then works like models where literally I could light it up, cook something and show how it worked. Um, that eventually... Uh, those prototypes were sitting around in my office, and uh, one of my colleagues commented that he he knew factories that could make those. And uh, you know, within six months, I had uh, production proto pre-production prototypes, and uh, was beginning the process of actually launching. Now, I assume going through this process with NCamp, you you grew up a camper in some capacity. Um, so I, I'll say I am not a hardcore every weekend out, but I love the outdoors. I probably, uh, you know, my main thing is I love mountain biking. So when you are, uh, out away from the, the creature comforts, it's, you might want a hot cup of coffee or uh, something to eat. Um, so, so that's the, that's the core, but um, I love hiking. I love camping. I love mountain biking. I love being outdoors. Uh, there, are, there are people that do it way more than I do, um, but uh, but definitely that's part of uh, my my entertainment and uh, enjoyment in life is being outside. Well, we can definitely relate on the mountain biking. Um, up in Vermont, we've been spending a lot of time <laughs> on our bikes <laughs> <laughs> when we're not working. Um, what what? kind of bike do you have uh so i've got a, a santa cruz uh high tower nice how about you <laughs> don't laugh my wife makes fun of me i have a bridgestone that's 30 years old <laughs> oh nice that's pretty sweet <laughs> it is uh, it, she makes fun of me because she's like what when are you going to get a new bike like why <laughs> it works perfectly fine <laughs> that's amazing well yeah if you don't if it's not broke don't change it <laughs> and i'm sure every time you roll up with the crew people are like whoa nice bike exactly and i it's gone through it goes through the regular uh maintenance and replacing and swapping and so it's not stock but uh, <laughs> but it's still pretty cool that's awesome. Okay, so let's talk about the progression of NCAMP. This starts out sort of as a school project that you want to help sh teach your, your entrepreneur students how to start a business or think about starting a business, and then it turns into this sort of full-fledged brand. How, From sort of working through the prototyping process and then having a few products to then start selling, what were the next steps for you? Well, so, so the, the first thing is, uh, you know, I have prototypes, um, and then it's, then it's finding someone that will work with you. So, uh, so, uh, going through a few, uh, searches of finding a factory that was willing to work with basically someone that didn't have anything yet. So it's a risk. It's a risk on my part. It's a risk on their part. Um, so, so after establishing a relationship with a factory where I could get prototypes done, that's when John then entered the picture and could start putting the financing together. Okay, how do we fund this? Um, what are the projections for uh, revenue and growth and things like that? Um, so, so that's the challenge, finding someone that will work with you and, you know, the factory being one in my case, and then the second being 
finding someone like John who is willing to take the financial risk and the, quite frankly, the risk of time in, um, you know, it's a, it's an equity investment. I'm going to, I'm going to put my time in, in the hope of a return. So that's the initial challenge. Sure. Now for the listener to just be familiar with John and his role, um, who is John and what does he do for, for NCAMP and how did you go about finding him? To partner, so, so John is John's the president of NCAMP, and he is the he his background is uh, marketing, accounting, basically business product uh, program management. Um, he's he formerly worked for Stanley Black and Decker, so extensive background in how to bring products to market uh, in in the in terms of a financial uh, financial viability. Um, the way that I found him actually was that uh, as a as a designer, um, uh, Stanley Black and Decker was a former client of mine, and um, and I happened to have a friend uh, from college who who knew John, so we sort of uh, John and I hovered around the same programs for years and didn't know each other. And then a friend of mine introduced us. He was very interested in this category um, and uh, entrepreneurship and startups. So that that was sort of the uh, mutual friend, uh, common background, um, and then uh, complementary skill sets. Interesting. Now, I assume you probably met and then had a few conversations to sort of make sure there was sort of uh, compatibility personality-wise and then also sort of alignment with what both of you wanted for the brand. That, that's right. And in fact, interestingly enough, initially we approached it as, hey, let's take this stove and license it to someone else. And um, over our conversations, as I start, started to paint the bigger picture of here's product number two, here's product number three, um, John said, well, what, why, let's not license this. Let's start a brand. Let's develop a brand. Uh, and, and at that point, you know, I, it, it uh, you, you start to realize, oh, well, that that was my secret goal. Uh, and all of a sudden he gets he's tuned into, oh, there's a bigger picture here. Let's create that bigger picture. It, very, he's a, a hundred miles an hour. Let's do it guy. Um, and, and I love it. Love that uh, we connected right away. And uh, there's a lot of mutual respect in terms of our what what I do and what I bring to the table and likewise what he does and brings to the table. That's really interesting. Now let's talk about sort of that vision you, you mentioned where you had sort of a few different products in mind. Um, w- when you were first starting, is it you had it all sort of in your mind of sort of a stepping stone or did it sort of evolve over time? Uh, so the, the stove was first and then um, as I was developing it further and creating the prototypes, there were some really natural uh, next steps. And so, for example, the second product was our prep surface, which it, it is, it's that, that the answer to where do I set something when I'm cooking? <laughs> um, right, so right. It's a, it's a cutting board uh, and it's a place to a clean surface to set things. It's a place to uh, put a plate, a cup, and um, and and that very quickly 
the stove, the final design of the stove started to inform the design of the prep surface because they nest together into a really tight package um, and then separate into basically your stove and countertop. Then the third product was the, the coffee maker, which basically it's a mocha pot. And, um, and they just seemed like the exact right three products to start with. So I can, I can cook, I, I have a place to set and prepare things, um, and here's a unique uh, solution for a, a campsite coffee maker. That's really fascinating, and I like sort of listening to your thought process in developing the products where it's just sort of very practical, right? And where I feel like a lot of products, um, you're sometimes like, well, who built, who, who thought this up, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And with yours, it, it's like there's a clear sort of um, fluidity to to just it making sense and using it when you're camping. Right? By the way, one of the things we refer to those three products as the kitchen to go. And um, it, it, it literally is your stove, your countertop and your coffee maker. <laughs> right. Which is like in your mind, you're like, oh, so simple. And it makes so much sense. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about um, sort of the growth of the brand, or I guess trajectory of it. When you started, did you raise any capital? Did you bootstrap? How did you really get things rolling? So the so actually, the first thing I did was a uh, a crowdsourcing campaign. So I um, this was before I met John, uh, and I launched it, and um, it uh, it. It did not meet my goal. I was very, I set a really high bar uh, for what I was trying to raise. Um, I did not raise everything that I hoped to, but enough, there was enough interest uh, and it, 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 uh, it helped set a price point, understand what the initial audience size would be, uh, and, um, and, Get, uh, help get feedback. So just before that campaign ended, that's when I met John and the, um, basically it, the, the crowdfunding campaign didn't, was not successful. However, it was clear that there was an audience and a market for the product. It was clear that the, the value was to get, uh, was the value of the feedback that, that we got moving forward with, uh, future development. Um, so then John and I started working together and the, the campaign ended at 30 days, probably within two weeks, we were in, in deep discussions about next steps and probably within a month it was like, Hey, let's just do a brand. <laughs> it's so interesting how like everyone sort of has their own sort of journey, right? Where it's not, it doesn't always start with a successful Kickstarter campaign. Sometimes it takes, if a failed one for you to sort of figure it out, right? That's right. And by the way, the crazy thing is, and, and this is where, you know, the, the, the positive, it was like, oh yeah, we failed, but I spent $200 on marketing. Literally, I spent $200 on marketing and raised tens of thousands of dollars or got tens of thousands of dollars with commitment. Um, by the way, it was also around when my youngest was born so, so, uh, all these things were happening at the same time. So it was like, wow, given how little 
uh, I spent, given all the, the other circumstances, this looks very promising. Oh, that's actually really interesting and a great way to look at it, to be like, wow, if I actually put a serious effort into this thing, this is, there's, there's legs. Right. Okay, so um, let's talk about, let's go back to the product and sort of focusing on the fact that you have an outdoor-based company. How do you keep sustainability sort of front and center as you grow NCAMP? So, so the first thing is, as, as individuals, we are strong believers in um, uh, light footprint, uh, reuse, recycle, uh, minimize the, the, the consumption of goods. So, so that's who we are as individuals. I will say it is a, it is a very difficult challenge to go into product development and to, to not compromise on the values that we're trying to establish. But, but, but we have to always look at it in steps. So the first thing is we've designed products that are durable, uh, long life. I, heck, I have a, a mountain bike that's 30 years old. I have a, a, I have a Jeep that's 30 years old. Um, so we're looking, first of all, as these are durable goods, these are not disposable things. The second thing is looking at uh, repairability. It's not, it breaks and throw it away. Um, the next thing is uh, fuel diversity. So, you know, the, the reality is if you're gonna cook, you're probably gonna burn something. So uh, it, it's, it's not about, you know, it, it, uh, it it's uh, this feels better than that. No, the reality is, is that sometimes you need this and sometimes you need this and sometimes you're not allowed to burn wood and sometimes you are and sometimes uh, natural gas is derived from fracking and that's not good. So, so you can drive yourself crazy. At the end of the day, what we try to do is create a, uh, a product that allows user choice in your fuel source. So, so those are core elements. The next thing is, as you're moving into, um, all right, what can we do and what we can't, what can't we do at the, at the point of startup? So first of all, we have to work with who's willing to work with us uh, and uh, we can do the best we can to evaluate their practices. But then what, what we can control is packaging. Have we minimized packaging? Are we doing things efficiently in terms of distribution, warehousing, shipping weight. Um, so we're thinking about all those things and in each iteration rethinking them. Is there a way to further reduce packaging? Is there a way to uh, shorten the distance that these products have to travel? Initially, we our hope was to make everything domestically. Um, we couldn't get people to answer our calls. Um, so, so you know, that limited some of our choices um, where we give 1% back uh, of prop for profits. So, but we know it is a, an ongoing pursuit of perfection. Every step, okay, how do we look at sustainability? How do we get better at it? Um, and are, are, we, are we perfect? No, but we know it's iterative like anything. Yeah, I think that's a really, um, all of these are really good points in the fact that like um, sustainability is a spectrum where it's like, 
a brand isn't just it's like oh they're a sustainable brand no it's like okay what are they doing right because there's so many different pieces and parts to the product and brand that can be right where you're, you're talking about sort of the packaging is one then there's the product then there's the way in which the product is being made and shipped and is it moving all over the world you know what i mean to be assembled and all that kind of stuff and when you're outside of um a business you don't necessarily really think about that right and I feel like with um, the movement towards um, people really understanding the products that they buy, I think that that's coming out and being more uh, front and center on the consumer side, which I think is interesting. And it's also giving brands more of an opportunity to focus on that, where before the excuse was always price, price, price. That's right. You know what I'm yep. saying? And now people are like, well, it's okay if it's a little bit more expensive, if that means it's more sustainably made and like explaining how and why and all that sort of stuff. And I think it's, it's definitely interesting to see how it's changed just even in the last couple of years. That's right. Yep. And, and, and you know what the um, more and more people, more companies, more factories are understanding is we just, it's not what we're doing is not sustainable. Uh, over time it will become easier and easier to say, all right, what, how are you powering your factory? Is it renewable? Is it non-renewable? Um, those are those are all the things that we keep thinking about as we take the next step and the next step and the next step. No, I think that's a, that's a really good way of looking at it. Now, let's talk about um, sort of the, your your demographic or customer base. Who would you say um, is sort of your sweet spot customer for for Encamp's products? Uh, no one that's going to climb Mount Everest. <laughs> <laughs> so this goes back to, you know, we're not the lightest. We're not the smallest. Uh, we want to keep things compact. But uh, our, our audience is anyone that is thinking about, uh, you know, I, I'm not a fan of the term glamping. Um, sure. But that, that idea that you are, you're not, you're not going into the wilderness to survive. You're going into the wilderness to enjoy a different experience, to recharge, to to um, breathe clean air. To uh, so 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 that's that's our audience, and we'll add to it the uh, I want to make real food, not food out of a pouch. <laughs> Sure, I'm definitely in that camp. <laughs> We're going on a, um, a mountain biking uh, camping trip this weekend in the Adirondacks. And um, we're bringing everything to make sure we do lots of cooking, <laughs> especially when you're mountain biking, right? You're exhausted and you're burning a lot of calories all day. You don't want to come back and eat up, eat something out of a pouch. You want to have a real meal. <laughs> Wait, the photos that we get from customers where I see someone making uh, the the avocado bacon toasted whole wheat sandwich using our stove, the person that caught the fish and cooked it up. I love it. I love it. That's exactly, that's exactly what we're trying to do. Yeah, I can appreciate that completely. <laughs> uh, someone who enjoys food as much as I enjoy being outside. Excellent. <laughs> Um, okay, so let's talk about the future. Where do you see Encamp going in the next year, five years, ten years down the road? So the so, uh, so just sort of the roadmap of 
uh, recent past, future. Probably within the the first year and a half of the business, we we developed three products. Um, within the next year, we developed, uh, we added three more. And then the last year has really been refining the business, getting our logistics down, um, ensuring that we're working with the right factories and partners. Uh, and, and after sort of a quick, I, you know, it's hard to look at a few years as quick, uh, you know, the first six products seem to happen fairly rapidly. And then we're in this pause. All right, let's design the business. Um, so immediately going forward over the next year, we really want to be in the what's our product roadmap, what's new, where can we bring new ideas, innovation, something interesting that fits who we are and complements what we already make. Um, within five years, we really want to be thinking about how are we, uh, how are we uh, a name that people recognize and um, and have a, a, a positive association. Um, and then, you know, at that point, we want to begin to uh, not each of us be the jack of all trades where we're, we're doing multiple jobs, but we really want to start to focus on how do we bring in the absolute right person in this area and that area um, to, uh, to be part of the core team. Now, for someone who wanted to start a business, whether it was in the outdoor space or, or just a business in general, um, what advice would you give them? Um, you know, it's funny. It's, it's almost like a, 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 a binary. Either do something you love because you are going to have to wake up every day thinking about it and you are probably going to go a while before there's a return. So you better love it or um, really identify something where there is a, a really interesting opportunity and, um, and a real business opportunity and you might not particularly be passionate about that particularly particular category, but you're passionate about success. So it's really one or the other. I happen to be in the, I love what I'm working on. Um, but I will tell you, uh, you, you treat it like it's precious. Whereas, uh, you know, there are, there are plenty of opportunities where, you know, it's, it's like, Probably everybody needs a drain plug, but no one wakes up in the morning and says, hey, I want to make drain plugs. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, so, so you really have to think about it. You're, you're, you're almost one or the other. You, you're, it's about the success of the business and it doesn't matter what business or be passionate about the business so that when you wake up every day and decide, hey, can I do this for another day or another week or another year? It's like, yeah, the worst thing that can happen is I take my gear and I hike out in the woods to do a photo shoot. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, it's so true. And it's interesting because people always say it's one way or the other way, other, right? Especially if you're starting the business as the founder, it's like you just you have to be so passionate about it, which is true. Definitely. It helps. Um, but there's definitely so many different ways to start a business, right? Where I feel like if you're bootstrapping something, 
I feel like the passion is more required because there's going to potentially be those years of just suffrage <laughs> almost, right? Where like you're not making any money, you're, you probably have another job at the same time, you're working way more hours than you, you're used to, and you're getting a lot of sort of rejection and failure in those early years, um, which I feel like happens for most people. It's never that overnight. It's like that 10-year overnight success kind of thing. Um, oh, yeah. Where, Nobody hurt when you've been around for 10 years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That new brand. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, it, it is, it's interesting just to see sort of from different people's perspectives when they start a business. And just the way in which you started NCAMP is, is different than a lot of people, right? Where your initial thought process was, let me bring in someone that has the expertise that I don't because I know how to develop product but I don't necessarily have the, the business side of starting a business's skills, right? And sort That's of have, and having that sort of perfect uh, marriage in a way, right? Um, people think they can just do it on their own. And, That's right. and now that said, it's very helpful if each individual has multiple skill sets. So you, you cannot initially uh, hope to hire all the right consultants to do all that work. <laughs> uh, you have to do it. Then, as as you start to have some success, you can you can start to hire the 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 marketing person or the or, you know hire a really good video videographer or hire uh, someone who can optimize your web presence. So you start to. Uh, move beyond your initial uh, competent but not not perfection to, hey, that's the absolute right person to help us. Yeah, that's true. And it, it kind of goes uh, with the saying, like, good is better than perfect when you're starting a business or done is better than perfect when you're starting that's a business, right. right? Where it's like you can get stuck in the minutia of trying to make something perfect, but then as a result of it, you never really get the business off the ground. Um, and it's definitely something because I feel like a lot of business owners are perfectionists. One of the reasons why they start something is to change an industry in some capacity. So like being okay with the first product not being the best. <laughs> That's right. You know, is, is definitely a difficult thing to be okay with and just being like, okay, this is going to get better <laughs> over time. <laughs> awesome. Well, I, I want to thank you, Dan, for taking the time to come on the podcast and share your story and the story of NCAMP. And for anyone listening to this episode before August 6th, you can actually enter to win a camping stove from NCAMP uh, over at Ready Eddy. So just head over to readyeddy.com for your chance to win. And again, Dan, thanks so much for, for taking the time uh, and coming on the show. You're welcome, Josh. It was my pleasure. And um, I'm, I'm grateful to have this opportunity. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Eddy Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.